0: You're listening to... Whoa!
1: Potluck! Potluck!
2: And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to The Good Pop Culture Club, episode 163. My name is Marvin you and join me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once and future professional Asian-American, just you. Hello, Jess, Marvin.
0: How's it going? I'm I'm good just trying to stay out in the sun and not get sweaty. So I don't go anywhere anymore. And it's kind of <laughs> great.
2: I spent the weekend in San Francisco and man, it's nice and cool out there. It's like it.
0: 60 wow. degrees, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, that That's sounds great.
0: great. <laughs> there, somebody was, it's a famous saying. I don't know who said it, but they're like, there's nothing colder than in San Francisco summer. Yeah.
2: And it's great. Yeah. Miss those. <laughs> also joining us. The most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey, hey, Han. Hey. How hey. are you doing?
1: All right. <laughs> it's a weird time.
2: Yeah. Normally, about it's, this time, you should be you. You would be like in the middle of um, press conferences, right?
1: Yeah, press tour, and then also <laughs> like we'd be prepping for like fall TV, which is why press tour would be at this time. And um, but yeah, ever since the high of like Barbie Hammer, it's kind of been like
0: doldrums. <laughs> you know <laughs> i also feel like um like it's built into my yearly circadian rhythm like this is when you're supposed to be prepping to go back to school yeah and like that just doesn't happen so i'm like oh there's something feels amiss yeah right and like kids are already going back to school i think all the, like, the back to school sales are starting my my target is flooded with children
2: Um, that's true school seems to be starting a lot earlier than i remember
0: yes i used we used to start after a labor day
2: yeah
1: do do they get more time off or like is it a like a trimester versus semester what's the deal like
0: i have no children so i do not know (laughs) (laughs) i do live i I do live near a school and sometimes i forget that you cannot drive there around two o'clock Two thirty, because that's when all the children get out, and there is hella traffic.
2: That's true. I've made that mistake myself a couple times too, because there, um, uh, our local Sunrite, which was my um, boba joint mm. of choice for the last few years, is right across oh. the street from
0: from my the high school. High school. Yeah. Oh my god, it must have been. And that's like a really small one too. So
2: sometimes, you know, when you get that boba craving at three p.m., you're like, I should go get some Sunrite. And then as oh, I go, no. I'm like, No, I've made a huge mistake. Uh.
0: This was a bad choice. (laughs) Um, I've started doing the old people. um, Oh, I do go out, but yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. I do the old people Florida thing that I used to rag them about when I was in Florida. Mm -hmm. I mall walk. (laughs) So I'll go to a mall and just walk around and like not I don't even go in the stores. I just like just walk a few laps to like get some. I mean, it it makes sense. That's why I go to the gym like I go A little bit
1: further to the gym I go to because it has an internal track versus an external one. I hear a lot of outdoor concerts aren't happening anymore because it's so fucking hot. So yeah, I don't blame anyone for just enjoying some AC, however they can.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's also concerning. I know
2: traffic. It is probably. The traffic situation here in L.A. probably isn't helped by the week of Taylor Swift that we're having.
0: It's going to be Taylor <laughs> Swift, and I think Beyonce's going to be the next month. And they're, like, calculating both tours are basically, like, boosting the economy. And uh, we'll see, because Beyonce just landed in the, the States. She's starting her U.S. leg, and Taylor is wrapping it up. And apparently, like, Taylor Swift brings in, like... She's she's bringing like four billion dollars to the economy, like just wow. from all the travel and um, money spent and like restaurants and hotel bookings that people are doing to go see her. And I'm like, that's that's fucking crazy. That's a that's a that's a bigger economy than some Yeah. Countries I wanna don't bring, Probably not, but
2: wanna bring economic an an economic boom to your country. It's the Olympics. The World Cup and Taylor Swift,
0: but see the Olympics fuck you over for the most part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. every city, I think, minus LA, because we just for some reason have so many fucking stadiums to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah. I, I guess it would be the, the reverse, right?
2: Need someone to fill that giant Olympics sized stadium that you built for the Olympics that's draining your economy. Why not bring Taylor Swift?
0: Mm. yeah but I'm going this Saturday and I've already started prepping mentally and physically like you gotta get the right gear you have to be ready to be there for like hours ahead of the show start like I need a, it, it is an outdoor stadium I gotta prep the sun thing like <laughs> I gotta prep the the hydration I gotta prep the, the, tr- the potential waiting it out in traffic after so I'm making sure I have like food and water in the car mm-hmm. for after the concert if I have to sit in traffic like it's it's, a, it's an ordeal Like I'm carbo-loading Cause mm. I'm gonna be on my feet For like mm-hmm. At least three hours She sings for three hours nonstop, And then She has opening acts Who I like So I have to be there By the time the opening act starts Which is like 6.30 And then they're telling you They'll be like Come early Traffic's gonna be bad And I'm just like Oh god <laughs> But it's gonna be The hottest time of the day At like 4 o'clock And I'm delicate yeah. So, yeah. I have to like, I have to have a game plan. This is like very, this is like, I feel like this is war. I have to make a <laughs> strategic plan. I have to execute with the utmost precision. I have like people coming with me. I got to make sure everyone gets in and out in one piece, no man left behind. Um, and all this, and I have shitty ass seats. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. I'm very jealous That's of everyone sad. who got decent seats. I had to fight tooth and nail and pay an arm and an egg, a leg for shitty seats. <laughs> all for you, Taylor. All for you.
2: Now, do you have your Taylor Swift viewing outfit planned out already?
0: Okay. That is the one thing. I'm happy for all the kids. This seems really fun. I love, you know, me. I'm, I'm camp. I'm dramatic. Love a good outfit. I am not going to participate in dressing up for concerts. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm going to pull what I have thematically in my closet. And I feel like I have built a closet that allows me to do such things. Mm-hmm. That's what my hoarding has paid off for over the years. Mm-hmm. But I've already paid an exorbitant amount of money for your tickets and for parking. I'm not even fully employed right now. And I refuse to spend the time to make an outfit. I will <laughs> pick a sparkly dress from my closet. Put it on, hope it fits, and hope for the best. Like, I, I am not making anything. I'm sorry. I'm too old for <laughs> that. But very, you know, props for all the people who, I've seen some really cute, cool outfits and costumes. That's not going to be me. In the 200s? No one's going to care about you in the 200s? <laughs> the 400s? No, i like the 400s. Like, I'm, like, all the way in the top section.
2: It's all right. It's, it'll be a good experience. I'm it's very be excited great. to hear about it. I- I've heard <laughs> it's an
0: amazing concert. I've heard it's one of the most amazing, like, live shows. But I'm also going to see Beyonce at the end of the month. And Beyonce puts on a fucking show. Um, so I'm also very excited for that. And I have seen Taylor Swift. I got floor seats to a Reputation tour. And that was super chill. Not that expensive. And the security was lax. So I got very close to the stage. So this is like the opposite (laughs) experience. (laughs) But it's fine. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have a good time. Ask me about it next week.
2: Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to your report back from your Taylor Swift experience. Um, But... On this episode, we are discussing Dream, the new South Korean sports comedy drama um, that's streaming now on Netflix. Um, As always, just a reminder that the WGA and SAG strikes are still ongoing. Uh, The unions have not called for outright boycott of um, struck companies yet. So as podcasters who are not affiliated with any of the unions... Or paid for by any struck companies. Um, We're going to continue to discuss the TV, movies, and pop culture that's been getting us through our days. um, Until further guidance from um, the unions tell us otherwise. Um, So on that note, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Uh, Let's start with Jess. Uh, Besides your Taylor Swift experience, what is popping?
0: I did watch Theater Camp, a mockumentary comedy in theaters right now about... Theater Camp. It's from... Uh, I guess it's an expansion of a short film that was conceived and created by a team of four, which includes Ben Platt of Dear Evan Hansen, Infamy, Fame and Infamy, Molly Gordon, Noah Galvin, and Nick Lieberman. These are all theater folks, and many of them are friends from way back. Noah Gal- I learned Noah Galvin and Ben Platt are actually engaged, um, yes. and Noah Galvin took over his role as Evan Hansen on Broadway. I'm like, that's a whole lot of things I would unpack, (laughs) but not now. Um, But yeah, it's essentially, it's a mockumentary that fall in the vein of like a, you know, kind of not quite as direct as like the guest documentaries, the Christopher guest documentaries, but kind of that same quirkiness, quirky cast of characters about like weirdos. Um, But this one's about theater camp and it, you know, as a, Former slash recovering theater kid. This really hit home. I laughed a lot. The jokes are very, very niche and specific. Um, Theater kids are fucking weird and we never really grow out of it. Um, We just hide it a little better. Um, And, you know, I feel like theater kids are having a moment between the Barbie of it all. If you've listened to Greta Gerwig, speak about it. Barbie's a very theater movie. Um, a lot of musical influence, obviously. A lot of the 50s like golden age musical influence. Greta Gerwig's a, girl a big, big fan. You could tell she was a theater girly. The whole Ariana Grande, Ethan Slater drama, there's a lot of theater discourse around that. People who like, I don't get it. I'm like, he's a straight tenor. Um, If you don't get that, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You are normal and ha- probably have a rich social life. Um, But yeah, so it's essentially about this theater camp that is in the Adirondacks. It's called Adirondacks. And the founder, the very passionate founder, played by Amy Sedaris, is taken out by a strobe light at a production of Bye Bye Birdie and is sent into a coma. So her son, Troy, played by the very funny, um, what is his name? He is always the douchebag, but like the lovable douchebag. He was, in, he was in American Vandal, the, the mm-hmm. penis stunt mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Tatro, he is, apparently he was a YouTube star. Like the one YouTube star, mm-hmm. I'm like, good for you. You're great. Very funny. So he ends up taking over um, and, you know, kind of stepping in. And you have this like the old, you know, the longtime teachers coming back. You have the kids who are all very uh, fabulous and very talented. They're all great. And just kind of the weird quirks about what it is like doing theater and the inherent comedy of what it's like doing theater with a bunch of kids and who are very, very passionate about this thing that seems inconsequential. But in the end, you realize like it means so much to these people involved. It doesn't matter how small the scale is. It's just like they put their whole hearts into this and it really does change them and make them better people. Which is, again, this is my inner theater kid coming out. I think anyone who's ever participated in theater can understand a sense of that. But it's very, very funny. Um, and it hinges on this musical that they're writing called Still Joan. Or, "Joan," sorry, Joan Still. Forgive me. With the mm-hmm. comma. Joan Still. Uh, in honor of the camp founder. And you get to see the musical in the movie. And it's really good. Like, it's unironically really great. There's a song called Women Cannot Read. There's a song called The Wall Street Noise, which is a tap dance number where a that involves cocaine. And there's a very, very touching finale. So would definitely recommend it. Best also best thing. 90
2: minute movie. I mean, I did enjoy the Christopher Guest's documentaries, like Waiting for Guffman and Mighty Wind. So, if sounds... you
0: like Waiting for Guffman, you'll like this. It's kind <laughs> okay. of the same amount of <laughs> theater talk. Um, and I, you know, and Marvin, you know theater people. You know me.
2: I know you. Yeah, we you are in entertainment. The, you all, know so
0: many theater people. Everyone
2: listening on, to this podcast knows a theater person because we everyone no knows.
1: Jazz. Yeah. Well well here's the thing. Like initially when I heard about Theater Camp, I was like, Oh, I don't wanna watch this. And then I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, this is a like like you were saying, this is all about weirdos and misfits and just kinda like people being off, but then still having like doing, you know, Pursuing this one thing So I was like, okay, this isn't just going to be a bunch of people Bursting into song, which is what I was afraid of Yeah, so it looks really funny And it's been on my list for a while to watch And it's
0: ultimately made by people who love Theater and do it So it's like, they're very self-aware And there is even a joke about Dear Evan Hansen, the movie In the credits, (laughs) which is very funny They're all very aware But at the end of the day, they're just like They don't care, you could tell they don't care And they love it um, and it means a lot to them, so it's at the heart it is still very like hopeful and optimistic and like um kind and you know i do I tend to stray away from like the documentaries that do the opposite, just why I don't like the office um but <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. would recommend
2: awesome, all right, uh Han, what's popping with you? <laughs>
1: Uh, so by the time you listen to this, uh, this will be out. So the second season of Heartstopper, I've been watching the screeners for. So two years ago, I think Heartstopper came out, the first season. It is based on the uh, webtoon, um, webcomic, graphic novel of the same name by this British lady, uh, Alice Oseman. Um, And it's very adorable. Um, it's basically a British series um, about a lot of queer queer kids um the initial season was mainly about this kid named charlie who is gay and um he kind of has a crush on his seatmate uh nick who is a you know basically a big mm, golden retriever type of uh, sporty dude uh who turns out to have a crush on him back and so it turns out he is Uh, Nick is by, and so the first season is all about sort of navigating like does he like me does he not is very very sweet and cute um, and angsty and there's there's some webtoony sort of like cartoons uh, illustrations going on with the first season so this season um, Nick and Charlie are together and we start focusing a lot more on the friend group which we did meet in the first season Um, but the friend group is uh, interesting because um, my favorite is the weirdo friend named Tao who is, I think, part Chinese. Um, And he has a crush on their fellow friend, um, Elle, who is a transgender girl who then had to be Um, sent to a girl's school after she came out Um, and so they have been parted Uh, there are a bunch of other people to just everyone's queer in different ways Um, but not everyone is out and so that's a lot of what the season is about is um, Nick now that he's dating Charlie he is not out but you know he's they sort of want to date openly it's just all very sweet and very cute A lot more angst this season, but I think it's handled well. Um, I think some of the things that I appreciated is, um, you know, it turns out, like, even though Charlie is out, it's revealed that maybe uh, that wasn't his decision. And so there are some repercussions um, from that. And so there's a, you know, pretty good examination of what does it mean to be out? How does it look for different characters? um, And what are their different journeys? So um, very sweet. Probably one of the best I think representations of a very diverse uh, sexuality LGBTQ sort of show on TV, and not to mention very good for YA also, um, because usually it's just like you get one gay character, or you get everyone's the same type of gay, you know. Um, so this one actually adds a lot more
0: dimension to uh, the rainbow. I guess I'm happy for you, Han. I'm happy that the the trend continues rolling. <laughs>
1: I guess it's like, especially for those people who have been watching the summer I turn pretty, which I have not caught up on. You know, this is an alternative. There, you know, uh, Love Victor got canceled. Um, Never Have I Ever got canceled. So, and High School Musical is going to be on its final season. So, if you've been looking for that sort of YA hole to be filled in your heart, uh, Heartstopper season two is pretty good.
0: Yeah, in your heart, that's that's an important modifier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I'm not someone who seeks out like YA content. I usually I'll watch or read it if I am, you know, uh, assigned it for my various book clubs and <laughs> or if we're assigned it for this show. But typically it's not something that I, I like. I guess that's not true because I do watch a lot of anime, which is a lot of It's, it's a different <laughs>
0: side, the different side of a coin. Yeah. 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 I surprisingly don't watch that much. Either. Yeah. I read no, I'm I'm horny now. I read the ones with <laughs> more doing it, and that would be inappropriate in a YA novel. Um, I need some bodice ripping now. But it's cute. Maybe um Yeah. yeah why, I mean, there is there, is there are a
2: lot of YA authors that like cross over to adult, but they use they usually like change their like pen name yes
0: meg yeah. cabot <laughs> writes adult more like adult romance novels they're mm-hmm. not super filthy but they a little they a little dirty but sometimes when they
2: come back to the ya world you can kind of see like okay this is where they decide to fade to black but they definitely have this chapter written out <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's so gross like i'm just like i think for me it's just like do, i like i will get invested in the romance but do i want to see like on they're We know they're 30 in real life, but like, do I want to see like a 17 year old kissing? No, not anymore. (laughs) I think for me, it's like
1: kissing is like kind of the line, you know, like if you want to imply that they have other stuff, then yeah, fade to black, close the door. Even though I fully am aware that teenagers have sex and, and engage in sexual activities, I as an older viewer do not have to see this on screen because I think that will fetishize them. So,
0: um, yes, I was like even- <laughs> I wasn't having sex as a teenager, so maybe I just can't relate. <laughs> uh, I did not I did not start dating until I was more of an adult, so I was just like mm, I do not understand what is happening here.
2: <laughs> While we're on this, the first time I actually read like a full-on romance scene was a stealth one because it was in the middle of <laughs> Sarah Kuhn's Heroin Complex, which throughout uh, the rest of the book is kind of like a fun like rom-com superhero like story and all of a sudden plop there's a sex scene in there.
0: <laughs> Surprise!
2: <laughs> um, you know who else does really good? Um, you know who else is really good at dropping like stealth sex scenes in her um, stories is Fonda Lee's Jade City series.
0: Oh, really? Lots of bone. <laughs> okay, of the, you should have <laughs> led with that. I don't understand why you've been talking <laughs> but that's about all sci-fi. your sci-fi series and you didn't lead with there's some horny scenes <laughs> in the Jade City, Marvin. Do you not know me? I, I gotta say that's probably
1: where I got more of the horny stuff that I read when I was younger because sci-fi just, just throws it in there. Um, and, well, also because previously they were written a lot by men. Yeah, lots but, of dudes uh, <laughs> want to tell
2: you how to have relations with a robot.
1: Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, y- you you Those who don't read a lot of sci-fi may not realize it. But yes, there's a lot of horniness in sci-fi. <laughs> Uh, and and fantasy depending
2: oh we've all seen Game of Thrones
1: well even before Game of Thrones like before George R. R. Martin like I was definitely yeah it, it's, it's in all genres I guess but it's or you surprising. just go you
0: just go unsupervised to a library and pick up some books that you don't know are saucy and be like whoa and yeah. learn some things as an eight year old yeah yeah that's great I, I love libraries very <laughs> pro library <laughs> anyway <laughs> so Marvin what's <laughs> happening
2: with you? Well, on a more wholesome note, I guess. Well, maybe not a more wholesome <laughs> note. Um, I've been watching the new Gundam because I've been um, catching up on my anime backlog. Oh, and did, in case you don't know, a new Gundam dropped recently. Um, did you
0: just say on a more wholesome note and then reference war crimes in I the mean, same sentence? But well, that's all I says, mean, maybe not.
2: <laughs> I mean there are war crimes in this Gundam. It is a Gundam, so there are war yeah, crimes. Yeah, exactly, but this, war crimes. This Gundam series um which is called Mobile Suit Gundam the Witch from Mercury um Yes, it is a Mobile Suit Gundam series, which is the OG, the most OG of like giant robot mecha stories about teens fighting in wars and giant robots. Um, But this one in particular um, does play with some of those conventions. Um, It is the first mainline Gundam series to feature a female main character and not only a female main character, but a queer female main character. Ooh, Um, in a Gundam? in a gundam yeah so um this the gays can commit war crimes too (laughs) girl boss to a war crime so this is a gundam series that takes place in its own continuity so not connected to the original like universal century timeline um and it follows um mercury who is a new transfer student from mercury um to a elite science academy meant to train you know future mech pilots and engineers This is a future setting, much like a lot of Gundam settings, where humanity has colonized the stars and has exported its problems out into space. So um, there's a lot of conflicts between the earth and space-born humans, specifically along the lines of, like, racism, economic disparity, um, classism, you know, all the building blocks ripe for intergalactic war. And in this particular setting, um, mega corporations have taken the place of, like, world governments.
0: I'm like, isn't that our universe <laughs> right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's where we're headed towards, right? And so Soleta arrives um, as, like, a student from The backwater planet of Mercury. She's very socially awkward but has a strong sense of justice and immediately finds herself challenged to a duel, a mech duel, uh, because she um, intervened in like a domestic dispute between two students. And it turns out she's really good at flying Gundams because she is a Gundam protagonist and defeats her opponent and inadvertently becomes the fiance to the daughter of the CEO of one of the biggest companies in in the universe.
0: That way that escalated so quickly. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you beat someone and then you have to marry someone?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's just how, I guess, space okay. high society okay. works. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's because that is the exact plot of the first episode of Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is another classic anime series involving students in a military academy uh, who inadvertently find themselves in a duel and becomes the fiance of a princess. So, um, definitely wearing its inspirations on sleeve. sleeve. Um, it's a really fun series. It is... Gundam series, so there's lots of cool mech battles. Um, what sets the part though is the academy setting for um, the series, which gives this Gundam series more of a dark academia feel, right? Because you are following students in a you know school for elites, but there's a lot of political conspiracy machinations behind the surface. That slowly gets revealed as the political situation in the universe escalates. And since it is a Gundam series, eventually things do spill over and um, lead to all-out war. And, and you, know, you find out that you don't train child soldiers to be good at war without the intent to use them when war breaks out.
0: Well, no, you don't. You you wouldn't call them child soldiers if you weren't going to send them to war, Marvin. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, an interesting fun fact about this series is um, Gundam loves to invoke a lot of mythologies and history in its naming of their Gundam robots. And the Witch from Mercury actually pulls a lot of its inspirations from Shakespeare's um, The Tempest.
0: Ah. Oh. So we got colonialism in there, too. But I guess it's Gundam, so that's (laughs) inherent as well. So
2: you have one of the main antagonists is a woman named Dr. Prospera. And two of the main Gundams in the series is the Ariel and the Calibarn, who are all... major characters in The Tempest. And it definitely has all the hallmarks of a great Gundam series. Um, political intrigue, conspiracy, amazing robot fights, and a masked antagonist. And one of the main narrative arcs of this anime is the fact that Slotta being sent to this school is part of her mother's um, plan for vengeance against the man who ordered the deaths of her family and friends, who just so happens to be Solita's fiancé's father.
0: Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. Have you talked to my husband about this... I think he has tried to tell me a version of this as well, and I just zoned out.
2: I mean, I kind of feel like I mean, I definitely feel like this um, iteration of Gundam is a pretty good entry point for people who are maybe Gundam curious because of the added flavors of the fact that it's a Academy story and the two main characters are um, sapphic young women. And even all the YA elements um, are definitely played up in this version. So I feel like in terms of Gundam as a whole, The Witch from Mercury is very accessible. And if you end up digging the Gundam vibes, then there's a whole universe of Gundam for you um, down the road as well. So, yeah, definitely recommend checking out um, Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch of Mercury. Um, all 24 episodes are out right now. Uh, uh, is this Crunchyroll? Yeah, you can find it on Crunchyroll. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay, another reason to subscribe.
2: <laughs> yep. All right, I guess with that, that'll do it for this edition of What's Poppin'. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about Dream, the new South Korean movie about homeless soccer. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Spruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation. The good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're discussing Dream, the new South Korean sports comedy drama film now streaming on Netflix, written and directed by Lee Byung-hung. Um, It stars Park Seo Joon as Hongdae, a soccer player involved in a PR snafu, and to repair his image is sent to become the head coach of a soccer team made up of homeless people who are trying to represent South Korea um, and compete in the Homeless World Cup.
0: Which is a real thing, by the way. This was not made up for the movie.
2: (laughs) The film also stars Lee Jae-yoon as Lee So Min, a sassy aspiring film director who was making a documentary about the uh, homeless soccer team. Uh, which often puts her at odds with um, Park Seo Joon's coach character. So the film does try to wear a lot of hats trying to cross an underdog sports story with a social commentary message as well. Um, but does it succeed? Uh, what do we all think of Dream?
0: So I had no idea what this movie was about when you guys suggested it, and I watched it with no context. I just knew it was a soccer movie. And I was like, what the hell am I watching? what's the story? And then once I realized what the story was, I was like, there's no way this can be the story. (laughs) And when Uh, it was the story, and it was two hours of the story, I'm like, oh, that's that's a choice. (laughs) And I don't know if I ever got over that feeling.
1: (laughs) I have to say, same deal. I knew it was about soccer. I knew it was a comedy. I knew who started it, and that they had sort of like a a weird chemistry because always in their press photos they showed like you know how every every um, most couples in movies they do the little heart um like each person does a um, hand heart and then they put their hands together but always on the red carpet or these things like that um IU and Park June would always do that like almost like the broken heart so they would like on purpose show that their characters were kind of off and so I was like oh this should be charming and then I saw the The homeless part. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, Did not expect that at all. Um, And, and of course, like, as Jess has very much mentioned, uh, this is a real thing as far as like the homeless world cup. So, In that way, I was just like, well, if it's a real thing, I am willing to see where this goes. So, but it definitely had to, I had to do a sort of a separation of like, I'm going to pay attention to this and not think about this. But on this part, wherever I was watching it, I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it. So we will talk more about that aspect. Um, But I did like the underdog story as most sports stories go. Um, I thought some of the comedy was good. I thought the chemistry was good. The performances were good. But... Yeah, huge, big question mark. Um, I, I that's thought the sports part so, of the
0: movie was very fun. Like when they were just yeah. talking about like getting a team together and yes. like we're an underdog. Honestly, I think the m- most, eff- the part I truly enjoyed the most because I didn't have to be like, what? Was when they're like, we lost sponsorship money and we need to go find sponsors. Like mm-hmm. that is something so relatable. And as someone who works like in a job that is always looking for money, I was like, I feel this part. <laughs> Everything else, again, big ass question mark. Yeah.
2: That's really interesting because I had thought you both had known this was about a homeless soccer team no. going <laughs> no, in. No, I
0: didn't. I thought it was because... just a soccer comedy movie, which is like a <laughs> thing. Like, there are many very good, very famous, and culturally impactful, like cult classic fan favorite movies that are specifically soccer comedies.
1: Well, well. here's the yeah. other thing. I think, as I've mentioned sometimes before, is if I know I'm going to watch a film, sometimes I don't watch the trailer. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I only saw images and still images and sort of stuff like that. So I knew that it was about soccer.
2: <laughs> well, I had seen the description on my Netflix before. So And it says, yeah, yeah Park Soo Joon's character leads a team <laughs> of homeless people to the Homeless World Cup. So when you had suggested this, I was like, huh. So we're going to watch a homeless soccer movie. <laughs>
1: but also, I still don't know if I would have expected that even after I read it, like how that would play out.
2: Yeah, I thought um, I didn't I don't know what I thought. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like this film, like I was expecting just a underdog sports movie. But like because we've seen this before, like sports movies wrapped around an underdog story wrapped around like specific, like obscure sports event right this is the story of beer fest of dodgeball of even kung fu soccer right and i think kung fu soccer is probably the closest analog Mm -hmm. to this because that was also a film about a bunch of bums learning how to do soccer except they all have kung fu skills um
1: yeah i think also that era shaolin soccer and all that type of stuff was it was it was also cringy but in 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 that era it was kind of like (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
2: So, like, I was kind of expecting those vibes. Like, personally, I don't know if this film works as a sports movie or a comedy or a social commentary movie. I feel like it kind of fall for me at least it falls short in all on everything (laughs) it tries to do.
0: Well, it it is wild to have all those parts hinge on like the topic of homelessness or being unhoused and choosing to make it a comedy <laughs> yeah
2: and I, and I wonder if some of it has to do with the fact that like you know some of us work alongside people who do social advocacy as well as the fact that like we live in la where housing and the unhoused is a huge like policy issue that we deal with like every day um but the vibes are definitely off right the, the vibes About are how way they off. address homelessness
0: and and that's the thing. I mean, I think a part of this is like, I'm not sure if I'm missing something as an American viewer who does not know the, um, what the, you know, what the exact culture or cultural discourse conversation policy is in South Korea. But from everything I learned from squid game and the discourse around squid game is that like South Korea and United States have a lot of similar issues because of rampant capitalism. Right. Um, and regardless, I don't have to know the ins and outs and policies to know that like the uh, the the characters who are experiencing homelessness in this movie are not treated with a lot of nuance.
1: Yeah. Okay, I, I guess we're just skipping to the part we don't no, like.
0: No, cause <laughs> so I, <that's>, I mean <laughs> it's it's hard to like yeah, I think I think I think the leads are great. I think I use great. I think it's like some of the comedy really doesn't work like some of the Jokes are really funny, but like the majority of the movie is like the comedy, the stories, the 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 emotional things is like tied up in like the homeless characters, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is this is so wild. Like, I don't I don't think this is good.
2: Yeah, I feel like if you're coming to this film looking for like. A uplifting story, humanizing homeless people and addressing the issues of the unhoused. Like you're not gonna find that here. Um, the homeless characters in this film are kind of their homelessness is part of their backstory, right? We're shown why certain people become homeless, but it doesn't really delve into like the systemic issues that cause homelessness and offer solutions to that. Nor does it really show us how this program for the Homeless World Cup addresses homelessness right like maybe this is just my brain but while they were practicing for the world cup i kept thinking like does this program provide them housing with food like how are they like supporting themselves while being part of this team and we never really learned that
0: it's also like like the homeless their homelessness like the one all their stories are all their stories when we learn about like each character each player's background it's like Oh, like on a macro level, I feel like they're saying really homelessness is like an individual problem. Like you made bad choices and like you fucked up or something's wrong with you. Like, and I'm just like, okay, like, mm, like, like maybe it's an, in a generous take that could be like, oh, there's there a stand in for like one way, like one kind of societal issue, whether it's like mental health or like, you know, just being like, like capitalism and like jobs or whatever. But then just like, yeah, like all there's the story is that they're homeless. I feel like there's no they don't have traits, much traits outside of that. They don't really have story. Too much story outside of that. The one guy that does kind of have story outside that even more problematic, if you can believe it, because he has (laughs) a crush on a woman with a mental disability.
2: Yeah. And that that is
0: also very (laughs) rough.
2: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of
0: <laughs> it's not a nuanced movie,
1: shall we say? so what this feels like to me is one of like a throwback so like i I never necessarily think that America's always advanced um when it comes to this, but I do think that at least we may have been making attempts to address certain things in our entertainment um a little bit ahead of time, so uh or at least a little bit ahead of. South Korean comedies, (laughs) let's just say. Yeah. Um, So this feels like something that could have maybe played out in America, uh, American films in the 80s, um, maybe the 70s, this sort of inspirational, like we're going to give the homeless guys a chance sort of thing. And um, so we should be just happy to be able to see these few people do that. And that is also where my biggest question, like, yes, all the questions about what else do they get? Do, do they get housing? Do they get any of this like, do they get any actual help? I would like to know that about the whole Homeless World Cup Association, because um, I did look them up a little bit. And one of the reasons why they all sell this sort of magazine thing is um, that is one of the requirements of the participants, of this homeless world cup is that you have to be a street vendor for these magazines. So I don't know if like that's their sponsor. I don't know what the deal is. There's probably a lot more here that we don't know, but there's a reason why they keep hawking this thing (laughs) in the movie and that it's a requirement um, in order to play uh, to play. It's also a requirement that you have to have been homeless like the year before. But, but here's the thing you can't, have participated in the Homeless World Cup before in order to play, like, this year. So I don't know if that means you're out on the street again. I don't know any of this stuff. Like, all of this is, like, very (laughs) weird.
2: Yeah, Um, and, you know, this isn't, like, this... Like, we're not talking about the film, we're talking about the the concept of a Homeless World Cup at this point. Right, and 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 so it's it's
1: not addressed in the movie.
2: And it's, like, it just feels like the type of, like, PR charity stunt... That is a lot of like performative, Mm -hmm. like social work, but without like, like, like just that it doesn't address any of the underlying factors of homelessness. Right. I think what I read was like the purpose of it is to show that homeless people can be more than just bums, that they can achieve something and that they if given a goal, they can make something themselves. And that is kind of also kind of problematic. Right.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, like I'm reading the mission statement and it does seem very like tertiary level like it's like how, you know, like the Robert, like the Susan G. Coleman Foundation raises awareness of breast cancer like they don't necessarily fund research or anything. It's like, are you aware like it's a big problem? Like, great, we did our mission, like getting some of that vibes. And I'm not saying like I like I'm like, yes, I think it is cool that, you know, like I do think. People, all people, regardless of their housed situation or unhoused situation deserve, you know, like to feel joy and participate in society. But I'm like, the claim that we are going to solve homelessness with a football tournament is a little it, it's, optimistic, it's also, shall
1: we say. It's also like, hey, if you are these lucky, I don't know, eight people, like what about all the rest of them? you know um and then also are these eight people kicked to the curb afterwards i don't know um so (laughs) there's a lot of a lot of questions but the other thing that was the fact that
2: like once they do get to the tournament it's a pretty like violent version of soccer (laughs) it just felt like oh Oh, these are just like homeless people gladiator games
1: oh we'll get to that but i did want (laughs) to talk about the mental illness thing again um and that is another thing that I have to say when it comes to entertainment. Like America isn't the best at this, but we are, we are at least talking about it, which is uh, mental uh, health, disability and all that type of stuff. We are at least talking about that the... Um, For those roles to be authentically cast, whether they are or not is a different story and including behind the scenes, you know, whoever's writing, whoever's directing or whatever to at least have consultants, et cetera, um, for more authentically told stories. And that's pretty much my biggest pet peeve when it comes to Korean content is all disability stories from what I can have seen, especially the most Popular and famous ones are um, played by actors who are abled. Um, and often it's, uh, there's, there's usually not a lot of discussion about, like, here's the research we did, or so and so, you know, their brother, you know, is hard of hearing, something like that. But it's mainly a plot point. My favorite, you know, uh, K drama, Extraordinary Attorney Wu, I think it's a fantastically done show. Lead actress is great she is neurotypical. And so I do have sort of weird, you know, feelings about that whenever I watch something that like that. And, I, you know, it's kind of like what happened with The Good Doctor here. You know, lead is Fre- Freddie Highmore. He got raves about his performance. But, you know, I think, like, they have now realized, like, oh, anyone else we cast, we b- better make sure that they're authentic. So other autistic characters on the show have been played by autistic people or actors um, and other disabilities other you know have been more authentically cast on that show just the lead isn't so yeah this is a huge issue so when they as soon as they said oh he likes he has a crush on a woman with a mental health issues I was like oh shit (laughs)
0: <laughs> you go, oh no. Yeah, because <laughs> you're like, how is this gonna be? They out? went like oh they they went they went all the way. It was very like, I'm like, am I watching an episode? Am I watching Tropic Thunder right now? I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and she's like kind of an important character in this mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. the plot. And I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. And it's like not cool. It's also like, my dude, you cannot be living with like she, she does not have the ability to consent to a romantic relationship. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, it's just
2: Yeah, I definitely feel up. like you know the representation um conversation as like far behind as we are in the States is still leagues ahead of anyone any other like entertainment isn't that kind of sad
0: yeah, yeah. because it, like because- when America's like the shining beacon of what <laughs> to do you're like oh yeah. god yeah yeah because
2: it definitely feels like the way that like a lot of korean media uses things like mental illness or even homelessness is kind of oh. as like a narrative shorthand right it's like here is a shortcut to get you to either endear yourself or to like kind of like, to build sympathy right away. Like.
1: Or, or, or to have a really cool sort of, like, narrative device. Because I don't know how many um, leads of these shows have some sort of disability. I've mentioned this before, but, like, face blindness. Um, because that way the lead, um, male lead, um, is able to see the inner beauty in someone. And it's just such bullshit. Like, uh, and I was like, wait, I wonder how people with actual face blindness feel when they watch these, <laughs> these series. I saw uh, another show recently where it's like the lead um, got, um, let's see, hard, became hard of hearing in an accident. But, you know, like they only played it for when he doesn't want to listen to people, he takes out his earpiece. I was like, all of this shit is just like really, <laughs> really badly done. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are also some of my favorite shows. Oh, Oh. I know. (laughs) And I guess
2: to like put a pin on our discussion (laughs) on like at least the conceit of like this film revolving around like a homeless World Cup. I just feel like we, we mentioned that this is like you know we've seen these types of underdog stories before but i think it works way better when it's like a bad news bears type of situation or like a you know let's bring a bunch of underdogs like the added layer of like homelessness like you at least for me i feel like you can't invoke that without treating it with respect and i don't feel like this film no
0: no and the tonal shifts between the comedy and what's supposed to be funny versus like they're really sad backstories of like each of these men and how they ended up just like, this is, I'm getting emotional whiplash. Like (laughs) this could have been a very nice drama if you like, you know, played it out. Right. And you know, for me, the, the movie that brings up the biggest cop, it's not out yet, but um, first goal wins, Mm -hmm. which is from Taika Waititi. And is about, you know, like a, like a white coach who gets sent to American Samoa to like, train their team mm-hmm. but like in that case you could kind of tell like you know he's not necessarily in power that much like the, the characters seem to have you know their own characters and like agency and ultimately it's like Taiko Itd at the helm writing it and I'm just like oh this this has none of that yeah <laughs> this really has none of yeah, that yeah because
1: I think what I started out liking was the fact that Park So Jun's character is this underdog in and of himself, right? He, he, his, his mom is like a scammer. And on the run, he's. I did like his mom. Is that wrong? No, she was fantastic. And, and the fact that he basically ended up sort of like growing up by raising her because he could never trust her. I thought meant, you know, like that gave me some good character stuff. The fact that he was not like, he's not naturally gifted. He just works hard. Like he, he made sense as a, underdog sports coach right but then the other half of it was where it fell short I felt yeah so. I mean
2: let's talk about the sports movie part of it because I thought <laughs> you know that was marginally more successful even though personally I did not think the sports part of the movie was really that great um, oh. but yeah Park sojun Jun plays essentially, he's essentially the Gordon Bombay character right he is mm-hmm. a professional who gets um, demoted down to like you know, coaching this band of misfits and learn to become a better person through it. Can I say I am glad that they did not like? Bravo to you, Korean movie, for not um <laughs> making the two leads hook up because
1: yes, 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 <laughs>
2: because uh, <laughs> that is probably an impulse that I feel like a lot of these like types of movies have, right?
1: Yeah, that's why I like their sort of friction, um, and that they I I would like to believe that they after this movie just continued to be uh, very friendly, you know, uh, poking fun at each other type of colleagues and never, you know, hook up. Um, so gameplay, actually, and I I understand where you're coming from, but actually I liked it because it was so messy. Um, when I was watching it, I was just like, okay, first of all, this pitch is tiny. And I looked and yes, the dimensions are like a fraction of, of a regular size pitch. They also don't have like an out of bounds, really. They just have like... It's essentially
2: hockey, right? There was a lot yeah. of like wall checking and full contact. It was pretty like, it's a violent well, version of and, soccer.
1: Well, the other thing I wanted to know, but I couldn't find the rules was, I was like, are there no red or yellow cards? Um, because that is exactly what you get is if there are no sort of like penalties or fouls, then I mean, it's it gets brutal out there and so that's why I actually liked it was because I was like, if this is the case, if there are no, you know, um, repercussions for brutal gameplay, that's what you get. So I don't... I mean... But they don't explain so many, that. And no, no. It's true. But at the same time, since I didn't see repercussions, I just felt like, well, that's yeah, natural.
2: I um, guess. I guess for me, it was just the way they shot the action too. And the way that like... Like sports movies build up to like a very emotional like climax, right? And I felt like none of that really worked for me. Like, I don't know. It's just... I've watched enough sports movies to, like, I guess, expect what that buildup will be like. And I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel any of the. And this whole film is, like, kind of paced like a sports anime, right? It's very episodic. <laughs> like, we learn about every single character. We get, like, 10 yeah, minutes to every single character. Yeah, it felt like a series character. sometimes. And then yeah. even even within, like, the tournament, right? After the first game, the coach sits the, the young um, striker down and says, let me teach you what a rebound is. And then she starts using it in the next episode, which is exactly how a sports anime works. It's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. teach you a different concept of the sport every episode and see it in action. And that becomes your special power.
1: I, I can see that. I think the director, who is also the screenwriter, uh, was previously an actor. So it's very possible <laughs> that he comes from uh, fandom also. Yeah. Um,
2: and it's like, shouldn't you all be practicing plays and rebounds and all that leading up to this tournament? Like,
1: Well, <laughs> in general... Their practice sessions like left out about like ninety percent of what practices, and which are skills that you you know the number one thing is when you shoot you keep on going, um you always follow up uh so yeah that should yeah. have been like the I first think, thing but you know what you know I think I, that
2: was what was missing from this film is the training montage,
1: act- more actual real training right. You know <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like they saved it for the World Cup itself, like the actual, you know, build up instead of like, like planting those seeds in the training first. So that way, when you got to the World Cup, hopefully then you are all of a sudden are reminded either in flashback or not um, of what was discussed or, you know, the skills that were you know, drilled into them. But yeah, uh, definitely the pacing um, is a little weird. Uh on the episodic nat- nature of things. But yeah, no, I still enjoyed the gameplay. Um, I I enjoyed the ridiculousness of the, I guess, the crowd getting behind the losingest team <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, but I think I wanted more. In general, I definitely could have used a lot more skills in the practice, you know, um, uh, sessions, and a lot more of the actual tournament because i think after the one big game that we saw them do which is versus germany then we got a sort of a montage which was very confusing yeah so. it needed more
2: sports movie like mainstays mm-hmm. Right, it needed the rival team right it needed like the rival like you know even shell and soccer right? it needed the um the evil team <laughs> or whatever the, the evil
0: corporate team, team yeah yeah
2: oh um, that would have been good yeah and it needed like that like the chekhov's like play right like mm-hmm. the mighty ducks mm-hmm. had the flying v like mm-hmm. they needed, like like here is the cross that will like yeah. teach you in the middle of the yeah. game, and then yeah. I'm sorry, this movie the needed
0: a lot of things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the one play that was supposed to be their really big good one, they could have uh, like if you're watching it, you notice that each team member does touch it and stuff like that, but they never again practice that, <laughs> and so it, it sort of like comes out of nowhere, and you don't really like are. You aren't able to sort of like see this perfect thing come together. Um, also, I do have to say, I did laugh at the fact that the sports commentator was calling the older uh, goalkeeper old boy. <laughs> so that is pretty funny. That was, that was There's
0: good. some really good jokes. I actually think I could you not know when um,
2: that man and his commentary. <laughs> well, no. I had to I like, like mute my television because I could not stand his. Un- oh, it was so, so bad.
1: I think the other thing is, again, not perfect. But what I did appreciate was at least I got a little bit of a feel for each of the players and what they do on the pitch versus like. So for me, there's a lot more gameplay um, in this versus, let's say, a Ted Lasso, um, (laughs) which is three seasons um, where they barely play and you barely get to know what anyone has the ability to do. Um, so yeah, as, as messy as this was, at least I got a feel for soccer. Um, I'm, I mean, I know it's during, it's currently, uh, world women's world cup time, so I can actually tune in for real soccer (laughs) if I want to. Uh, so, and I, and I still maintain that I think, um, Bennett, like Beckham has some of the better soccer moments, um, on, on screen for a movie. So, you know, I, we can watch that too, Yeah
2: you know what I think the main thing is is just this film was just trying to do so many things and I think this is (laughs) Mm -hmm. what happens in a lot of like especially like Asian pop cinema and also like Korean dramas Mm -hmm. C dramas like a lot of these like films and series Mm -hmm. they kind of suffer from like the bloat of having to like do like Mm -hmm. A, B, C, D and even E storylines um, uh, Because, like, not only does this film have, like, the sports story and the homeless story, but also, like, a documentary production storyline.
0: Yeah. we they which throw made a th- kid in there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was a, some, a <laughs> lot of random shit going on. The documentary storyline felt, like, very random. I mean, I know a documentary has been made of the Homeless World Cup, so maybe yeah. that's what they're inspired by. But, I mean, it's, again, storytelling.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's also kind of sucks because that's those storytelling elements i think work better than a lot of the homeless like storytelling Mm -hmm. elements like the idea of like the director of the documentary trying to manufacture drama or like Mm -hmm. trying to like produce a more compelling storyline but in doing so like compromising the spirit of the sports and the team like i thought that was pretty good but it was like a lot to add into it. right i did not did do we really need that like extended game where like they were playing with the brazilian players
0: we
1: didn't I didn't you need know a what? lot of things. <laughs> you know what i I would take more of that versus some of the other stuff. like it's like either this movie should have been a 90 minute movie, as we all say comedy should be. Um, and so cut off cut out a lot of the stuff or it should have been a series which I also cringe about because then are you know, in order to address the things they should have addressed, things should have been longer. but I also don't have the faith that necessarily they would have done it right. So yeah. I think in the balance of things, <laughs> just make things shorter and take out a lot of the very problematic elements.
2: <laughs> All that being said, the leads were pretty charming together. Park Seo Joon is, you know, I, I I like him out of his bowl cut.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I like the fact that he was playing a little bit against type as far as like he is playing the nightmare when it comes to uh, a celebrity who does press right you know um in south korea doing press is part of the package of you having any sort of fame and so you kind of have to play by the rules do certain things and if you look slightly grumpy or whatever you get torn apart by the media right so he doesn't just you know he's not just like frowning or uh being bad but he's actually you know a character who has bad behavior with the press he assaults a member of the press also oh my god that reporter is horrible but you know but i think they needed to set him up as this horrible 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 guy um whereas i just like oh that was kind of funny but i'm also i i actually
0: (laughs) i actually thought before we get like introduced to kind of the bigger storyline it was actually very funny like i thought his interaction with the Parasite, direct, uh, parasite <laughs> reporter was really funny. Yes. Um, he was really funny, too. He's, like, he's just asking about his like fugitive mom. Yes. Uh, and again, did not know what the story was about. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and he just, you know, the he gets memefied very quickly. Like, I thought that was all very charming um, before they start tackling kind of maybe biting off more than yeah. they can chew.
1: Yeah. All the, as both of you were kind of saying, I think the parts that felt the best were the sort of the media sort of commentaries which is like how he interacts with the press what's expected of someone but also the sort of like the documentary or or reality aspect of of uh changing narratives like she wanted to pick certain people for their stories not necessarily because they're good players and that happens in production (laughs) so i like both of those things
2: and i actually really like the ad agency people like i thought that Mm -hmm. was a really cool like portrayal of like the head of the ad agency you know telling him like i'm a bad guy i'm only working with you because you'll make me money right like that's that's all i care about which is pretty like pretty bold thing to say in like in a sports film and so i don't know i think yeah i think this film would have probably been a lot less complicated if the homeless team members would have just been like you know delinquent high school kids or like Maybe like a uh, welcome to Wrexham situation where it's like a lower level community team that he needs to like kind of bring up to the big leagues, right
0: but then it wouldn't be based off the homeless World Cup, <laughs> which is again a real thing
2: all right well mm-hmm. as we um as we come to the end of our episode, um gotta ask, is dream <laughs> good pop?
1: Uh, I hate to say this, but you know, as much as I wanted to like it, I don't think so. If you wanna watch better soccer, watch uh Bend it like Beckham, maybe even Shaolin soccer. Um I think my
0: mom would like this, but she doesn't
1: have those concerns that I have expressed. So
0: no. It's gonna be a no for me, dog. <laughs> uh it's just it's rough. Um it, it's 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 trying to do too much and and I think the sins are a little too grave to enjoy it as the comedy (laughs) it's trying to be so I going to say no.
2: Yeah, unfortunately for me, I'm also going to be a no on this. Um, I I can't say that I, I enjoyed this film. There are parts of it I was like, huh, that was good. But the parts where I was like cringing and not because of something funny happening, but because of like, I can't believe they just did that. The vibes are way off. Um, Way too many times
0: Th- That's time. almost like worse though right Because if it was just a flat out terrible movie You're like oh mm-hmm. like this they got nothing right But like you kind of see the bones Of like a decent movie yeah. With like good talent um and you're kind because of, I use fantastic. I think she's a great act. I think mm-hmm. the the she's leads great. are fantastic actors. They're really funny. She has one of my favorite lines where she's like, "He's like, are you taking your meds?" She's like, "No, I can't afford it. That's why I'm like this." Yeah. Um, and I think it's so fun. Like, like it's that's you know they're really good when at delivering some of these comic lines. And I'm just like, oh, but they are saddled with doing a lot when you
1: would prefer just a super cut of the good parts and just want to keep everything else on the cutting room floor. That just shows that it's not a great movie. Yeah. Uh,
2: All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of the good pop culture club <laughs> who this question is getting hard and hard to ask every week, but <laughs> just Han, If people want to find more of your thoughts, where can they go?
0: I'm still in limbo right now. So ask me next week. Yeah, even
1: though I have uh, social media on threads and other places uh, at Anonymous, am I actually using them? You'll have to see.
2: <laughs> well, you can find me on, I guess I, I'm on Instagram. I post food stuff mostly. So I guess you can follow me there at Marvin. Yeah, you can find our show at goodpop.club. Um, as always, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this edition of the Good Pop Culture Club. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Bye. Podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like. A podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Eng's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone. Especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts.
2: Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.